Be sure to check out the brand new Hockey Prospectus 2015-16 book, which is available now in both print and digital download. The book dives into the advanced statistics for all 30 NHL teams, which includes assessments for every player who played in an NHL game last season, and also a team essay for every team as well. To find out more on how to purchase the book, please visit HockeyProspectus.com. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 10th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Kevin Walsh. And the beginning of the NHL season has started. We have plenty Woo-hoo! to talk about. <laughs> um, but first, we we recorded a podcast last week. And unfortunately, the software that I have on this computer uh, wasn't up to date with the current version of Skype. So we recorded a really mint hour and what 15 minute podcast about the awards i'm we telling you it, it was really like, good no one else is gonna hear it so they're gonna know it it does not exist anymore so that is why there was no podcast last week um we're gonna actually try to do a condensed version of uh the awards that we think the players are gonna win and then we'll uh you know talk a little bit about what's happening so far in the nhl so with that said and let me make sure this is recording. It is, please, at least as far please. as I know. Looks good. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we started with the Vesna Trophy last week. And uh, there's there's always some candidates that, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, of course, that would be around there. And Carey Price, of course, the, the imp- super impressive 2014-15 season where he mopped up uh, getting the MVP and the Vesna, uh, well-deserved. And, you know, and then you have kind of your tertiary or, or side guys like uh, Rask has been good in the past and, and those kind of guys. Uh, but Walsh, who, who do you think is going to challenge for this trophy with, with the Henrik Lundqvist, Carey Prices of the world? So the problem I have here now is this is a loaded question because I know the answer you're going to give, and I loved it when you gave it last week. So <laughs> yeah, well, we've, this is yeah, like, there's no, we're pulling no punches with each other right now because we did do this <laughs> podcast last week. But, uh. <laughs> so I get there with it, and it's like, I, I think I think Lundqvist um, or Kerry Price will win it. Um, I can't remember who I had as my third option, but when you gave up your third option out of trying to come up with someone other than those two, I'll let you roll it out. Because as soon as you said that, I thought, you know, that's a really good chance for that to happen. My, if I even recall correctly, because there's so many guys that can kind of qualify for this. Yeah. Uh, was it Braden Holtby? Yes, it was. It was okay. Holtby. Um, Holtby playing on um, Tampa, considered the favorite in the East. Yes. But Washington, of course, uh, with, with Oshie and Williams going there, I, I think they're um, one of the better teams in the East now, at least in the Metropolitan. He's going to get chances to rack up those wins, uh, depending on who votes on this award. That that may be something people look at. But his even strength save percentages and all those kind of numbers, he's really underappreciated. Yep. And he did sign that extension so now he's going to get that attention and focus on him so if he doesn't play to that level he'll merit the criticism he deserves but i i don't foresee a drop off 
Um, he's he's been a really good goalie, and I don't think many people know that. So well, I think he's, I think he's in the right situation. If he plays at the same level he's been at, now that people think he's a high pay goalie, and if he's on a team that's winning a lot, I think he can get the notoriety that he didn't have before to to make a. He's you know he's what I'm gonna saying? have that. Yeah, this is the thing. He had his breakout year last year, really. When you think about it, last year was his best year that he's had. And you get there and look at this year. This would be his breakout year in regards to national notoriety, I suppose, for all those reasons that you said. So I think if you look at the, if you have a look at the Vesna, um, I, I find it very hard to believe that someone else is going to sneak into getting a chance at that. And that's more because of team success. You, you look at Corey Schneider. Um, He's probably going to put he's probably going to put up numbers that deserve consideration, but won't get in the top three because his team's so bad. That's just the reality of of the way awards are given, which sucks, but that's just how it is. Yeah, Corey Schneider, top five goalie in my opinion, but he's in just you know hell, hockey, hockey, hockey hell with the, with the Devils. Go figure. All right, so we covered off the Vesna. Do we want to go do the Norris? Yes, sure. Um, I'm very high on Eric Carlson. I think he's he's, he's just terrific. He generates offensive opportunities for a team that, without him, probably would struggle in that regard. People That's like polite. to point to his uh, defensive work because it's not overly physical and that kind of stuff, and they think he, he's not as good as some of these other guys. But the fact is, he's so great at the other stuff, and he's not a liability defensively. So even if, let's say, he's average defensively, he's so elite in that other regard and pushing the play forward and all that kind of stuff. I I just I love the way he plays. It helps. It's, it's one of those things where we made this point. I'm going to keep saying this. We made this point last week is that some of these players have the puck on their stick or are near the puck so often that when they do make an error, often it's egregious because they're trying to create something out of nothing at times. So you get there and just go, how the hell can you do something like that? And then you go, well, how can he be considered this great because of these, these errors? Um, but that's only because of the frequency that the puck's on their goddamn stick or, or they're involved in the play. So I, I would, I think most people would take Eric Carlson over any other defender, and you can make arguments about you want a more all-rounder defender and all that sort of stuff, but hockey at the moment is about trying to score. The more opportunities the pucks in the other teams end, the more likelihood you are of getting a score. So Eric Carlson plays defense in the fact that he's got the puck and the other team doesn't. I have no problems with that at all. And he doesn't – this is the thing. Carlson doesn't get pushed around, shoved around in his defensive end by that many forwards. Usually the ones that do it are the ones that do it to everybody anyway. Yeah, so, so what, not, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's not like he's It's not like he's getting pushed around by, by freaking midgets or anything like that. He's literally getting pushed around by guys that push everybody around. So it's, it's not like he's, he's playing poor defense against poor offensive players. So – you get there with that, and I go, I'd say it's Carlson. I mean, you've got P.K. Subban who could. Latang could definitely challenge if he actually manages to play 70-plus games. Looked awesome last night, by the way, even in the loss. 28 minutes, he was fantastic. And he's going to have – this is the thing that probably – that 
Usually you get there with this Penguins team and you go, what plays against Latang is that he racks up points playing with Sid and Gino. Well, this year everyone knows that there isn't anyone else talent level-wise near him on that back end. Well, Martin there ha- is good. there's never been, but with Erhoff and Martin and, well, Mata without the, the cancer and mumps and all that stuff. Shoulder, yeah. But but that's a really awesome top four. But but nobody's on Latang's level on the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, no, and that's the thing. So in theory, if you look at Latang and what he does in regards to the back six unit that he's a part of, he's going to be so streets ahead of everyone else that he might stick out like dog's balls for the first time in his career on that Penguins team, <laughs> which might which might be good. That was really good. Yeah, so so that, that's sort of where, where I look at it. Um, guys that probably won't, uh, guys that probably don't deserve it unless they have a real big career change would be Shea Weber. Um, Zidane Char is heading in the wrong direction, and, and I, I think if I was Boston and they want to have any hope of making the playoffs, you've got to make sure Char is healthy. So play him less minutes, just make sure he's on the ice more often than, than he's not. So there are guys that we would consider regulars. For Can I rewind wins. you a bit? Go back here. Shea Weber is not a Norris Trophy candidate. This needs to stop. But he keeps getting I people know. keep this, up there. And now, I wanted to say it's because I wanted you to go on this. Okay. He is still a good defenseman in the sense that he's excellent at shot creation. Uh, the, 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 the shot attempts when he's on the ice are still at an extremely high level. He's very good in that regard slap shot and all that nice stuff his shot suppression is just crap it's below a bottom pairing level and um when people make like we are my my main example people make fun of eric carlson for not being able to play defense shea weber is way worse at that than eric carlson but nobody but thinks that the- because that he he'll throw more body checks but they have the, it's not effective He's below a bottom pairing defenseman in, in shot suppression. How is that? Like, that's terrible. That's Rob Skidari stuff. This is why I want to. Or no, it's not Rob Skidari stuff. I, I, he's actually better at that. Um, so, so Shea Weber is a weird. Um, where he used to be a superstar and his shot suppression was awesome, and his offense was awesome. Is awesome. He, he should have probably won a Norris before. And now it's like one of those, okay, we'll give him votes because of the past. But he's yeah. not that guy anymore. And I, I, need to, I need to see him stop getting this recognition for these high-end awards because he's not on that level anymore. And, um, you know, it, that comes off as harsh, but, but I think it's true. And... That just goes to show you how the perception thing works. Yeah. Eric Carlson, not good defensively. Shea Weber, big, burly, physical, must be good defensively. I, I think that comes down to what people want to see in a player playing a particular role. So it, it almost seems as though, um, I think this is a problem with the way a lot of these awards are given. A lot of these are given by what I would call people with old school philosophy hockey still in their system. So they've not wanted to shift from what they used to watch in the eighties and nineties or even in the seventies. And they don't like, and what was that? Seventies. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like they've not shifted from there. So you're not a good defenseman. If you can't throw your body around and 
like the idea of being a defenseman is to separate the opposition from the puck and get the puck to your forwards, right? It doesn't really matter how you do it as long as you do it without giving up a penalty. You know what? So I, I, don't, I, I oversold Weber. <laughs> his yeah. shot creation, his Corsi 4 for 60, his impact on his line mates is actually a high-end top four guy. Ugh, man. Stop voting for him. Jesus. <laughs> All right. So have we both decided that Carlson's it's his to lose, basically? I do, but uh, last week I, I did bring up Victor Hedman. I, I oh, that's right. You yeah, did too. Yeah. I, very, I very much love um, the idea. Uh, he's on the East's best team, and he's a big part of that. Uh, oh, yeah. Size, skating, um he hey, has the physicality, but not yep. like, like, you know, I'm I'm hitting because I need to hit. Like it's strategic physicality, offensive talent. He's the total package. I could really see him uh, skate his way into the discussion for the Norris Trophy. And, oh yeah, and um, I almost kind of want to pick him for it. I think I may have they... last week. I don't have my note sheet from last week anymore. I was kind of looking oh, you wrote, for it. You wrote a note sheet. Well, well done, you. Well, I usually try to. I know it doesn't come off as we're organized, but I, I try to keep <laughs> notes as we go. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to mention Victor Hedman. And, yeah, uh, good who, call. Who do you think is going to win? Oh, look, I, I think Carlson will win unless he plays 50 games. I mean, it's, it's the Mark okay. Giordano from, from last year. Oh, he was bring he, up Giordano. No, he was going to win it had he stayed healthy. And I have this feeling that if he has a so-so season this year but plays 70-plus games, he'll probably win it because of last season. It's that whole, well, he missed out last year, he's going to win it this year, and then you're going to have – it's just – awards are so subjective. It's like, listen to us. We've got our reasons as to why we think these should go this particular way. It'll be very interesting to see how it all pans out. Okay, so I'm going to go with Hedman just because – It's different to Carlson? Yep. Uh, both Swedes, though. Oh, I know. So, Swedish Olympics, looking good, top yeah. pairing. Um, Actually, what we did say about the defenseman and the, another Swede was OEL in regards to... How they didn't play him? Jesus. Well, yeah, no, no, but the, it's the same disease as Corey Schneider, I think. It's one of those things where he's awesome. It's really hard to get recognition when you're also on a team that's going to be as bad as, as um, the Coyotes are. So um, there's always going to be someone there that should get more recognition than he does, but it doesn't help when your team doesn't win. Well, we oh we we forgot to bring up Jack Johnson. We'll move on from. We don't have time today. If we just keep moving oh, forward, he's he's not part of that. Oh, no. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, Selkie. <laughs> Selkie. Um, so we have the regular candidates. There's There are three finalists I think you can kind of expect every year. And that would be Jonathan Taves, Patrice Bergeron, and uh, Ansei Kopitar. Yeah, but go to the one that you said should win it but won't because he's not a sentiment. Marion Hossa is fantastically awesome, does not get the recognition he deserves for anything, whether it be defense, offensive production, anything. He's the quiet assassin of the NHL. He's one of the best players in the NHL, has been for such a long time. He's a winger, um, and I mentioned this uh, 
last week yep. that nobody heard. Uh, there's a YouTube video out there that, that shows his forechecking and his ability to use his stick. And, and and it's just so awesome to this person to just such an excellent job. Just kind of, if you want to go into YouTube, type in Marion Hosa stick check, or I, I forget what the, what I typed in to find it. I, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, it just really shows you how cerebral he is and how physically excellent he is in his execution of combining the two mental and physical parts of his game. And you're right. He's a winger, and he'll never get his just just due, especially playing on the same team as Taves. But, you know, my main argument with Taves is I, I'd like to see where he'd be if Chicago never signed Marion Hosa. I don't think they have their three cups, and I don't think that, you know, he's kind of the, the golden boy of uh, the anti-Crosby argument. He's um, it's it's funny with Hosa because he'll be one of the most quietly achieved Hall of Famers by the time he gets through. People will get there and look at his numbers and go, "Holy crap! How mm. is he so?" Like you get there and people will have watched his entire career and just not realized how good he was. Didn't help. He was in Atlanta. Um, it was one of those things where when he came to Pittsburgh and then went to Detroit then to Chicago, you could see, put him with talent, and he just makes talent around him better. So Even Ottawa. Uh, yeah, well, they're the same thing in Ottawa as well. You're exactly right, before he got shifted. So it, it's he's one of those guys. That, you get there, and you look at that Ottawa trade in regards to how that worked. It's like, oh, my goodness. Like, who they traded away and who they got back. It's just that's such a ouch of a trade. Well, they got so, here for a bit. Yeah, I still didn't think that was the the right idea. But no, no, but he... Heatley did get a fifty goal a year there. It was short sighted, but they didn't like. It wasn't a like a total bust. They went to a Stanley Cup final. I was going to say they did get to the finals. It's just for, for me in regards to everything else that Hosa provides. Yeah, you get more um, more goal production out of Heatley than you do Hosa, but. It's just everything else that that man provides. So I'd love to see him win it, but I think the three guys that you listed um, are probably a really good chance to win it. And I think, uh, I don't think I said this last week, but I'll say it now. I think Kopitar will win it mainly because he's going to have the spotlight on him because of his contract negotiations. So people will be paying more attention to him and people who probably didn't think Kopitar was as good as he is, particularly from the East Coast, at the stuff you need to be good at for for the Selkie. I, I think that'll... Tip him over the edge, and the fact that Boston aren't going to be great. Yeah, so I think Bergeron, I think Bergeron oh. no fault of his own, is out of Duh. this. Um, I think Taves will win it. My votes for Hosa. So yeah, well, you won me over last week with the whole host thing. Yeah, because Yuri Lettinen was the last winger to win it. I think. Yeah, we did go through that. Um, we there were only Bob Gainey was another winger. We went through the history of it, and I'm sorry yeah. I don't have it in front of me. And it's it's very rare, but I think Hosa's deserving of that honor. I'm voting for Marion Hosa. I will too. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm voting for him as a, a preseason. Uh, obviously, when you vote for these, you wait till the end of the season. But my yeah. preseason pick would be Marion Hosa. Yep, I'm I'm down with that. Even though he will not do, win it. <laughs> do, do we want to do the Calder or the Ross? We'll go Calder. There are two guys here. 
Connor McDavid. I cool. Sick first goal. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was. And he he is so much fun. He everything he does, you can see in just his celebration was great. Saber's goal gets, song is great. I see. This is the thing. I saw it with my sound down at work, so I do need to put the sound up and watch that again because I, I did see that on Twitter. So Saber's I'll have got to, a great goal song. Mid nineties hip hop. They did a nice job. They let the fans vote for it. I was going to say. I thought I saw that as CC, well. I the fans Pittsburgh Penguins. That. Um, they let the fans vote for it, and uh, they only scored one goal, but it was, you know, I thought, I think that that's a good song that they have. That's brilliant. No, that'll be good. They're going to be fun to watch, mainly because they're going to be bad sometimes, and they're going to just have these um, brilliant spurt, spurts of offensive flair and production, and you just go, geez, if they get this right at the back end, they're going to be great to watch. Yeah, definitely. And the, the goal song is DJ Cool's uh, Let Me Clear My Throat. And uh, it's really good. I thought they did a nice job. Jack Eichel's first goal was a complete snipe. Uh, but that said, you don't judge the Calder on game one. Uh, Connor McDavid's going to have some really great talent around him on the forward side of things. Even if uh, Jordan Eberle, who has a shoulder injury, he'll be out a few weeks. But I eventually think Connor McDavid, if he plays with somebody like Taylor Hall, I mean, that's that's a great situation for him. I don't know oh, if they will. I think they may give that to to Nugent Hopkins, but we'll see. Uh, he, he, I think he'll tear it up on the power play as well. So he, he might not get. Um, I think Eichel's many. better. Poe, po, I think Eichel will have a better power play game than McDavid. The thing that's funny here is I think whoever scores the most points in this award is going to win. I don't think it matters where their team ends up. That It's basically going to be a, a an Art Ross for the Calder. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Whoever scores the most points wins. Both guys are just ridiculous. It's, it's great, great for the It's play. great for both franchises, great for the league. Yeah. Um, I guess my only question is, is there a third guy that can kind of sneak in? Oh, look, I think I thought about it last week, but right now I can't think of one that could... They'd have to explode. Um, You know who it would have to be? It would have to be a a freaking goalie that would come in due to an injury and run the table, basically. I think it would be the only other way I could see that happening. And there isn't one that I can see coming and doing that. Artemi Panarin of Chicago, maybe. Yeah, I still. No, I know I, I, he's not on that level, but if like he's somehow got similar points, I I don't know. Is yeah. There anybody it's... else? No. It's just it, the, those two are so good, and the gap between them and everyone else. Yeah, it's is like just... a Sid Ovi kind of race. A, a little bit, yeah. It's just such a large gap, and that's nothing against the rest of the the rookie class. It's just these two are franchise-changing players, and this is what happens when you get two of them in the one year. It's great. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, Rocket Richard? Uh, I think we both said Ovi, yep. and the question I think we sort of ummed and ahed over was how many can you expect Ovi to score in this day and age, and yet he's still got 50 last year, so... I 
can't see him not getting 50 again this year. The question is, who else will get 50? And I think we almost posed the question 60 now that he has two competent right wing yeah. options with Backstrom, with Williams and Oshie. So, yeah, um, I think 50, I think 45 is the floor minus injury. And this is, and he never gets injured. Say what you will about Ovi, he is always on the ice. He barely misses a game. Like you look at at Malkin, he's on and off the ice all the time. The last few years, you get there and go. If there's one thing about Ovechkin, he is reliable to be on the ice and providing something for you. It's one of those things where I never used to really put that much into it, but the ability to actually be on the ice and be on the ice at around about ninety percent of your, your your maximum output is is just as important, I think, as what you can actually produce. So, I mean, you think about it. If he gets 60, that's three goals in every four games. Like, that's amazing in this day and age. I think it's amazing in a lot of days and age. He probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. No, and, like, he's had his troubles in regards to reputation of what he's like as a well, who's player who's given him reputation? The media, it's, it's that's the whole thing. I mean, you get there and you look at his numbers all the way through his career. He's been good. I mean, he might have had a he had one year where he wasn't particularly fantastic statistically goal scoring wise, but everyone that year wasn't particularly great statistically um, goal scoring wise, except for Stamkos, I think. That year. So you get there with it and you go, if he gets sixty, you just go good grief, and you hope there are others that can tailing closely like you, you look at the Sagan and Ben that should hopefully produce goals you've we've already discussed the ability for Kessel to actually score that volume of goals we both don't think it, it I mean it could happen but it's it's less likely than, than you and I would both like Stamkos could certainly do it I think Stamkos comes down to usage more so than anything else though well, he's got um, now. yeah and Druin looks Good, like Druin looks like Druin he's going looks to. looks like you maybe should have played him in the I... Stanley or Cup the... final or something. Yeah, it'll be. <laughs> side is wonderful at times, but yes, he certainly does. Um, you go over and go, can Corey Perry put up another year? Nah, the... not quite. He can't match Ovechkin. And it's tough. It's, it's really tough. I wasn't asking him to match Ovechkin. I'm looking for him just to get to 50. Yeah, but and you did... my dark horse. Go for it. Tarasenko. And you think about what he can do, that's not that much of a dark horse, but not many, I would think, are picking him to get above 50. So well, that's... I'm, I'm going to have him sniff 50 because he's not going to play with David Backus. He's going to play with Paul Stasny, and I believe who the heck is the right winger with him? Or is he the right winger? I forget. Brower? No. We did, uh, this is the problem with when you get a – freaking podcast that doesn't record you get all this nice information and then you forget it a week later <laughs> and then it all falls apart but that was my uh dark horse and steen steen good Alex player steen he's, he's a good complimentary winger and he will fit quite nicely in, with those guys but so. tarasenko is awesome yeah no he really really is um all right so that's that ross we're both going with ovi and just hoping that other players get above 50. Richard. Oh, yeah. What did I say? Oh, Ross. Yeah, 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 with the Rashad. So that'd be great. I mean, this is the thing. If Ovi gets if Ovi gets 60 and gets 30 assists, that's 90 points. 
And you and I were complaining last week about the ability of a player to get to 100. So, yeah, Ovi hasn't hit the like 40 assist mark in like five years or something like that. I'm not going to look that up again. But he his assist totals have been down. Don't quote me on the number I just threw out there. But his assist totals have been down for a number of years. He used to actually have a, a very impressive assist totals. They've been down yeah, lately. Yeah, He's now got a winger that can actually finish some stuff off right, when right. him extra do stuff. So I, I would not surprise me to see him get a, a few extra assists to push him to that, you know, 60-30 ratio. And you get there and go, that's that's one line that's produced 90 goals in the season. <laughs> and you just go, well, okay, so they're probably going to be okay, Washington. So it's not bad. Okay. Our Ross... Health permitting, Sid wins it, but it's going to be close. Yeah, I'm not going to bet against Sid. I know he didn't get in. He didn't even have a shot attempt in game one, uh, which very surprising. Danger, danger, world in crisis. Yes, um, he sucks. He sucks. And yeah. So it'll, it's it's going to it's it's what's great about this is that if everyone stays healthy on all of these teams, you, you do have Ben, you've got Sagan, you've got Stankos, Ovechkin, Backstrom, uh, Malkin. You go across like further, further west. Thornton certainly could if you look at the way San Jose played um, against the Kings. And, and you go, you, you've got Perry Getzlaff as a combination that can um, really do things. Um, there's just so many options now in regards to this. It, hopefully, it could be a fun race, and hopefully, they're they're closing in on a hundred points as opposed to closing in on that 90-point range. So it, it would be nice for the league if they are pushing 100. I think John Tavares can be in this conversation. Oh, I always miss him every single time. I think it's got to do with the jersey he wears. Yep. Um, he certainly can be involved in this conversation as, as so Sagan. Uh, Sid's a guy for me to beat. He has the best winger he's ever played with since... That really awesome guy we talked about for the Selkie Trophy, but that was funny. That was. that was eight years ago. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Seven it's funny years how ago, whatever. That was only how, for three months. Yeah, and it's funny how much better you know the best player in the league looked playing with Hosa. It shows you how good he is for his line mates. Exactly, and Phil Castle uh, led the Penguins and shot attempts as far as. The team had the most shot attempts on the ice when he was on the ice. Sid's going to get assists that he just didn't get before because Kessel's just going to wire the puck home, whereas other times it would be Dupuy or Kunitz shooting. And, and, and they, they've done an all right job. But, yeah, but they're not Kessel. But, but they're not Phil Kessel. So Sid's going to rack up even more assists. And if the Penguins want to maximize his value on the power play, they'll have him play down low and be the bulldog that he can be and, and clean up garbage goals as Kessel and Gino uh, get fed from Latang for one-timers and Sid will clean up the garbage down low. He'll, he'll get right, goals sorry. that way. Are we going to transition from the Art Ross straight into the Penguins with that conversation because of the power play? No, there's one more award we have to do. What did we not do? Which one did I miss? The big one. The, the heart? Yeah. 
I'll put it to you this way. I have I cannot remember what I said last week, <laughs> but if if Carey Price carries the Canadians like he did again last year, I think he wins it again. The problem he's got though is that if he has a one or two percent drop off, which is barely anything, Montreal are in trouble, and it's going to be his fault. That's the reality of the the, the way that coach makes that team play. There's there's not many two time heart trophy no. goalies. Nope. Is, is Jacques Plant? What? Maybe. Right? Uh, Did we say that last time? Oh, I think so. So you get there and you. you but Dominic Kashuk won back to back years. Oh, that's true. He did too. So you, you you move away from that unlikely scenario and you get there and go. We're going to have to look at forwards that are, that are going to get it, and it's almost the same cast of characters we just reeled off before, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. So is it basically whoever wins the Art Ross wins the heart? Or are they going to actually go, who's the most valuable to their team's result? Which is what the award's listed as, really. Well, if Ovi gets to, like, 60, it's really tough to vote against him. But I could still see Ovi scoring 60 and Sid outpointing him. And then you get into that really... um, It depends on how uh, progressive the voters are. Uh, Yep. Well, not to shortchange Ovi, but... um, Let's say Sid is possession is just really really good, and he's in a tougher role that 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 his team has actually put him in a more defensive role, and he's still putting up those points. Does anyone that actually do these votes care about? Oh, actually, I'll rephrase that. What's the percentage of people that actually get to vote on well, this? Well, I don't know. I'm just I'm just posing the question. I agree um, with what you're saying. Because if a guy gets 60 goals in this day and age, yeah, I almost want to hand him the heart trophy. Yeah, um, I agree. But, but what if the other guy outpoints him and he has some of these other usage variables? Well, that, that comes down to how many of the freaking Hockey Riders Association actually put no, value in the let, That's stats. me and you talk about it. Let's, for, let's F the other voters. Forget about well, them. It's and, legit- between me and you... Where do you kind of, I mean, goals are the name of the game at the end of the day. I mean, all these advanced stats are used to predict future goals. That's why we do it, because goals win games. We're just trying to predict who who translates into those goals better. You know what I'm saying? Basically, what you've just said then is the whole reason to totally discount any of those stats when it comes to the Hart Trophy. Because if Ovi scores 60 goals and Sid scores 30 goals but outpoints him, you get there and you go, well, Sid's... And and Sid's Corsi numbers absolutely shred Ovi's... And that may may not happen, but for the example we're using... This is argument's sake here. You go... Well, the numbers are benefited for predicting him to produce a better offensive output, but Ovi did produce the better offensive output in regards to putting pucks in the net. So, yeah, but pucks in the to... net are pucks in the net. If Sid's got seventy in this example, if you said thirty goals, yeah. Sid's got seventy helpers. I mean, that's seventy goals. Any way you slice it. Yeah, so he scored a hundred goals, and Ovi scored ninety goals. It's like so. If you look at it in regards to the heart, what's more valuable? Actually putting the puck in your net yourself 
or having contributed to the teams. This is where this stuff starts to become. It's a tough blah. discussion. It is. <laughs> it is. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that stuff. The hockey media is in transition at the moment in regards to how much how much credence they give to the advanced stats stuff, um, and how many voters that put credence on that will probably determine who gets what awards. I think if there's a high percentage of people that are starting to take note of those things, I think we might see a shift in who wins some awards. If they're still laughing at the advanced stats, then I think you're going to see the same rules apply that have for the last forever, if you know what I mean. Yep. So what's the prediction? (sighs) Crap. I'm trying to come up with something out of this. Tyler Sagan. Okay. I'm going with Sid. No, I can't argue. You know, I I get it. It's it's like, oh, really? You're going with Sid? Well, way to go out on a limb. Yeah, well, he kicks ass, so whatever. (laughs) So let's transition from that into the Penguins power play, although I'm going to run out of time for this podcast in a minute. No, no, yeah, and we'll go quick. Um, First game, lose to Dallas, 3-0, whatever. It was a great hockey game. I mean... And I wrote today, if I could petition the NHL to just let the Penguins and Stars play 82 games against one another, that would just be tremendous. That was up and down, great action. Yeah. And and for for me, that's what I want to see. I I want to see quality hockey. So if you get that, thumbs up. Pittsburgh split Geno and sit on the power play again. And it's dog shit. That mentality (laughs) is just dog feces and the reason that they gave was oh well they'll both both be fresh and and it's like you know what save save me just stop all right because pittsburgh's forward depth has been crap for many years and they've always played the power play together so now you have more competent even strength players on the roster and now you separate them Give me a break. I'm hitting the table. (laughs) Give give me a break. Stop reinventing the wheel. NHL goals are down. NHL power plays are down. You have two of the top five players in the world, arguably. Put them on the ice together with the most time and space. They're the guys that make the most of time and space. Why is this a difficult concept? Why? Because coaches like to try and justify their existence. You're never going to equal the time on both of their power plays. They are both alpha male players. You're going to piss one of them off eventually when one thinks they're not getting enough. And you know what? I don't fault either of them because the simple thing would be like, okay, I guess we should play them together. And neither of them would ever think, oh, well, I need more time. Play them both a minute and a freaking half like Dan Bilesma and, and come up with a better X's and O's on your power play than you yeah, did well, last you, year. It you was, already know what I've got a problem with with the guy doing the X's and O's, so... Damn it. Stop reinventing the wheel. Put Sid, Gino, and Kessel and Latang on the same power play. Figure out who the freaking fifth guy is. And they've got options to be that. This is the thing. They... They've sort of taken the wrong guy out of the number one unit and instead of rotating the other person to be the 
the slot. You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely an open hole for the fifth person on that power play. And you've got Kunitz, who could stand in front of that. You've got um, Hornquist, who could stand in front of that. Both of those guys can finish. Kunitz has got to prove that he hasn't lost his touch to do that. Perron can go and do that, but do it differently. Like you, like you've said probably the last three years, play Sid down on the goal line um, and let him tip, let him battle for, for loose pucks and, and use his Who hands. better and, and than punch. winning battles against the wall in the league than Sidney Crosby? Who yeah. better with eye-hand coordination in the league than Sidney Crosby? Like for, for a coach to get there and go, I'm not going to pander the two superstars and I'm going to separate them, just tell Sid if he wants to play on the half wall, no, put him on the goal line, put Gino on the half wall, have Latang fire one time as a cross to him. If they cheat on it, just give the freaking thing to Kessel. They're, they can't cheat. That's the thing. That's why you yeah. put them all on the freaking power play together. They can't cheat. <laughs> all right, I, have, I literally have four minutes left. Can I go on my own rant? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, we're yes. Go go right ahead. Yeah. Okay. So. We hadn't even got to the start of the season. The NHL finally come out and actually suspend someone for a, a decent length of time. I say they at least got that one right. Um, I think they were a little bit short of what my new suspension system came up with. I think I had 51. They got 41 for Torres. That's not the problem. You have a look at opening night and you have a look at what Leo Komarov did. You get there and go, all right, that should be a suspension. I haven't even put that one through the system yet. I'll, there's about four or five I'll, I do want to run through. That should be a 10-game suspension with the way the NHL have been doing their suspensions. That's the sort of play right there that can injure a guy. Actually could have broken a neck the way he went about doing that. And it's and one of those things, oh, there was no injury on the play. He didn't even get a major, like he didn't even get a double minor or any or a major penalty for boarding on that play. It's like that puck was long gone. Screw this, got a physical contact. That puck wasn't even anywhere near worth freaking having a hit you then get there and you have a look at um dustin brown's hit on i always get Katura and um pavelski mixed up um whoever it was that he stood up in the middle of the ice he had buddy first, first first point of contact was head on head that's a, that that's a penalty it wasn't called was it i don't think it was but that's also something that should at least be reviewed milan lucic got hit clean chase the guy down, is not going to get a suspension. Like, what the hell is the NHL doing? It's that kind of garbage garage league stuff that needs to go. Big, clean, freaking hits is what we all want to see. Open eyes, on the boards, not into the numbers. If your first point of contact with anyone is their head, it should be a suspension because that means your hitting technique is wrong. This is the thing. It's like, oh, I got him in the head, but there wasn't a problem. It's one of those things where you get there with it and you just go... But hitting you know, puck possession as opposed to... Yeah, yeah, you want things. the puck back. I, I'm all for trying to physically intimidate a team. I've got no problems with that. Yeah, it, it, it's a mentality it ha- I, that, that even somebody like myself has to um, wrestle with because I grew up and I started playing in the mid to late 80s as a six, seven-year-old and played through the 90s and it was very physical. Concussions weren't a thing. Uh, we were taught to... Two one two four check for all our listeners. First guy gets in and destroys. Next guy gets the puck. Third guy high. We've all heard that a million times. I love being the first guy in destroying. So I'm a hip- <laughs> I'm a hypocrite in this regard. But as we get more information about concussions and that kind of stuff, 
Um, I I've taught that the the high school players that I that I coach, you hit for puck possession. Don't hit. Your sole purpose for hitting should not be to inflict bodily harm. It should be to get the puck. And if you're doing that, these headshots go away pretty quick. So, so my my big thing now is that the onus has shifted from the league to the NHLPA. They have to do something about this. They have to look at who each individual team rep is that are going into these freaking meetings for the CBA. Because if you have a look at who some of these people going to the meeting are, are people that are inflicting these hits on other players. They also have to sit there and go around to every player in their in their freaking union and say, what the F are you guys doing here? That's the thing. Like You can't get there and have these guys sniping the guys that make the money just because they want to try and prove that they belong. Um, oh, who was it that elbowed Bergeron in the uh, Winnipeg game? That should be a suspension. He just chicken-winged his elbow out and whacked him right in the head. Oh, It's like there's, oh. there's absolutely no need for that. It's absolutely baffling. And these guys just go, oh, whatever. It's like if they're a union, they have to clean up what's going on inside their union to freaking make sure that, one, they're safe, or as safe as you're going to be in a freaking contact sport, for starters, but bullshit plays like that just don't need to exist. There wasn't even a hockey play. Like, he just he went past him and missed, missed his timing on his hit, so stuck his elbow out and got Bergeron right in the head. And it's like, that's the, that's the sort of shit that needs to get out of the league because you're going to lose the star players because they're the ones that get hit. All right, rant over. <laughs> All right, well, we fitted it. We fitted it. I, I apologize. All right, so that's it? Yes? We're yeah, that, that's it. I, I'm done, and I, I have to go, unfortunately. So Apologies. Um, apologies for last week. We we really did a, a nice podcast, and, it, it, you know, technology, it is what it is. And yeah. <laughs> I, I take so, fault on my end for that. <laughs> so we'll look at doing uh, what I would consider a normal length one next week. Um, it just comes down to us not having things going on around us, and we do this on the weekends, and that gets difficult sometimes. Last but not least, super excited. I'm. Re- we said it was the October 10th podcast, but it's October 9th at night. Uh, tomorrow, uh, I, I get the opportunity and pleasure to attend the RIT uh, Hockey Analytics Conference and, um, you know, a ton of great people that are going to be speaking tomorrow, and I'm very excited for that. And next week on the podcast, I hope to have some nice things to uh, say about it. So Excellent. That'll be really good. I'll enjoy that. That's going to be good fun. It's a home game for me. Yay! <laughs> so, um, great. All right, guys. I really...